You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. All right, so my name is Tommy. I'm the pastor here. I'm glad to be here today. Uh, my buddy Chris Neal gave the message last week. Give it up for Chris. Always amazing. Love that dude. Love him. Uh, and so we are on this series about a kingdom mindset. Oh, before I get to this, let me show you guys something real quick. Th- throw that graphic up there if you don't. So I've got a podcast. It's called Off the Cuff with Tommy Jones, moi. And um, if you want to like, so in my podcast, I'm sort of expanding on this idea of kingdom mindset. You can scan that little scan me thing right there and it'll take you to it. If you're into podcasts, uh, I'd love for you to join me. I'm a little edgier on here. So if you kind of don't like me here, you're going to really not like me there. <laughs> But uh, if that's something you're into, it's just I'm supplementing this series. Uh, you're welcome to go check that out. It's kind of fun. But so we're in this in this series about about living in the kingdom, and so that we have this base belief that's sort of this, like well, it is this, not sort of this. It is this that when you encounter a resurrected Jesus, you're changed. And so maybe before you knew Jesus, or before you're experiencing this resurrected, changed life, your life has all these different buckets. Like you might have a, a God bucket and a relationship bucket and a job bucket and, you know, maybe like a sexuality bucket and a money bucket. you got all these different buckets, right? But what we believe is that, is that once you belong to Christ, you only have one bucket, and that bucket is kingdom. And everything you have is lumped inside of this one bucket. And so we should begin to look different. The way we approach life as Christians looks different than the way we approached life before we knew Christ. And so we're sort of talking about this, this kingdom mindset and how everything belongs to God and what it looks like to surrender everything in your life to Him. And we've talked about all sorts of different things. And, and today we're going to talk about something. This is so fun for me because I have never preached on this to my knowledge before. If I have, I don't remember, which means it wasn't very good. If I don't even remember. But like today we're going to talk about kingdom friendships. What would it look like if your friendships were surrendered to the glory of God? Uh, What would it look like if the choices you made for your friends actually was a choice that honored God? And one of the reasons this is so important to me is because it used to break my heart in high school. I think I shared this with some of you. Like, I was the kid that parents would tell their kids, don't hang out with Tommy. I I mean, one day, this is a true story. The basketball coach, uh, we're online, right? The basketball coach (laughs) told the team, if you hang out with Tommy, you will sit the bench. Oh, how rude. And like that hurt me so bad until I became a parent. And now I realize that I would have told me not to hang out with me at that point in life too. But like this, this whole idea of friendships, right? This, this matters. And it's like most of us, we are in the, we are in the most connected generation ever. Like, I looked on Facebook, when I wrote this sermon on Monday, I had 3,049 friends on Facebook. 3,040. Then I, I looked back, I think it was yesterday, I got 3,047 friends. So I got a question. What did I do? What happened? Why did you leave me, the two of you who left me? I thought we were friends. It said we were friends. But th- this is now what we believe is friendship, Right? We've exchanged relationship for online friendship. We've exchanged being known for being online. We've exchanged actual companionship for hearts and likes. And so because of that, we're the most connected, but we're the most disconnected. 
I mean, y'all can read the studies. You know, we are the most disconnected group of people the world has ever seen. We are more lonely than the world's ever been. We're more disconnected. There's more depression. There's more anxiety. All of these things exist because so many people are so incredibly lonely. And I think maybe an enemy or maybe our own flesh, something sold us this idea that Facebook was friendship. And it ain't. Because I got a lot of people on Facebook that I'm not trying to hang out with in real life. <laughs> right? So do you. That's just the reality of the situation. That is not what humanity was meant to experience as friendship. There's a great verse. This is from Genesis 2.18. It's so good. The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper that's suitable for him. So God creates man, God creates humanity, God creates mankind, and God looks down and says, man, it's not good for man to be alone. God saw in our condition that it was not good for us to be alone. Do y'all know what the invisible man does? Anything he wants. And that's a bad place to be in life, isn't it, where no one can see anything you're doing. And so God sees that man's alone. He says, this is not good because disconnected people make decisions that are disconnected from God's plan for their life. You can write that down. Disconnected people make disconnected decisions from what God has. And y'all know how I know that? Because I have made a lot of disconnected decisions. So have many of you. When we're lonely, we're not at our best. Loneliness is a dangerous condition. And God saw it and God said it. And, and, and so God has given us some tools so that we don't have to be lonely. And one of the tools God gave us was marriage. And part of the reason that marriage exists is, is so that we won't be lonely, so that we can be in a bond with someone else. But not everyone is married. And marriage is not for everyone. As a matter of fact, we talked about this, and we talked about marriage a few weeks ago. God said, hey, here's what marriage is, but marriage is not for all of you. Some people would be better off not being married. And so God gives us an alternative to marriage. But nowhere in the Bible can I find an alternative for friendship. God does not say, hey, listen, I think it'd be great if you had friends. But if you're not into that, then you should move into a cave and, you know, write a manifesto. I don't think there's not, there's not, and uh, that's it. God wants us to be connected inside of God-given friendships. Matter of fact, we have core values in this house. And I'm not going to ask if you know them because... No one ever does, but we have them. And the core values are knowing, growing, giving, serving, and praising. The very first core value we have is knowing. Because we believe that we are designed to be known by people. We are designed to live in community. We're designed to know and to be known. And so this is core to who we are in this place. And so as we look at friendships today, we're, we're sort of, let's think about friendships in three different spheres or three different buckets or whatever. The first bucket would be um, casual friendships, okay, like casual relationships. Like, for instance, I, I am a uh, sports dad. Uh, well, I was. Caden is now is, is graduated. But I would go to football games, and I had some, some close friends at football games, but I had a lot of casual friends that shared in football games. And every week we'd come together, and we would share a common experience. And so we were casual friends, and we kind of knew each other, but, you know, we are casual. And then you have some close friends. And the close friends are sort of the people you do life with, right? These are the people who, who you do, uh, you know, you may, you may t have taken a trip with them or something. But uh, they're your closer friends, and it's a closer group. But even inside of that, you have another group of friends, and this is what I would call your core friends, right? And so the three buckets are this. People who know about you, people who know you, and people who know the real you. 
right? Am I, am I, is it, is it, we all got that, right? You got these friends who are out here, and Jesus, Jesus was the same. Jesus fed 5,000. He had 5,000 people, and all the, he, he had a lot of casual friends. And then he had some close friends, and that'd be the 12 disciples. But within the 12 disciples, he had three who saw the transfiguration. He had Peter, James, and John who seemed to have a different level of proximity. So even Jesus had a lot of casual friends and close friends and core friends. And so all of us have some core friends in our lives. And the truth is that they're so important because not everyone needs to know everything about you. And if you're the person who's telling everyone everything about you, what I would suggest is pumping the brakes just a little bit. Maybe get offline for a day or two, right? Not everyone needs to know everything about you, but listen to this. Someone needs to know everything about you. Not everyone needs to know everything, but everyone needs to be fully known by someone. Someone needs to know everything about you. And that someone is your core group of friends. And those people matter. They're important. Part of what makes the core group of friends you have so special is that they love you unconditionally, right? That's part of what makes them so special. Like they love you, and they are there for you, and they'll always be there for you, and they'll do anything for you. And that's part of what makes core friendship so beautiful, but it's also part of what makes core friendship so potentially dangerous. Because you know they love you, and because you know they accept you, they have great proximity to your decisions, your morals are shaped by your core friends. The decisions you make are shaped by... As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm willing to bet this. I, I, as I was thinking around every bad decision I've ever made in my entire life, every first bad decision, okay? Now I want you all to join me in this. Every first bad decision I ever made, there was one common ingredient. Do you know what it was? Every bad decision was made in the presence of a core friend. Every one of them. Every, it wasn't like my enemies were going, hey, smoke that. You know, it was, it was, always, it was always my core friends. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't really one of the people who didn't like me. and said, hey, you should try this, Tommy. It was always core friends. Now, here's the, in the defense of my core friends. I was normally the one with the bad idea. <laughs> That's just who I was. But all my worst decisions were made in the presence of a core friend. And I'm willing to bet yours were too. And so with our core friends, we're honest, we're open. These relationships matter greatly. And so I, I began to sort of investigate who we should choose as our core friends. And oddly enough, King Solomon, who is the wisest man to ever live, has a lot to say on this subject of friendships. You can Google uh, Proverbs and Friendships. The Bible has a tremendous amount to say about friendships. And think about, think about this, guys. If friendships matter this much... Don't you think that there's an enemy who would love to stick you in toxic friendships and keep you there for the rest of your life? But I think the Bible has a better way. And so Proverbs 13, 20, this is a really simple passage. Uh, we should all memorize this. It says this, walk with the wise and become wise. That's a promise, right? Walk with the wise and you will become wise. But then there's a warning for the companion of fools suffers harm. So the promise is walk with the wise and you will become wise. But the warning is the companion of fools suffers harm. And I think, you can leave that verse up there for me. I think most of us know this is true. Because when we've hung out with people who were doing foolish things, 
Even if we weren't doing the foolish things, we eventually experience the consequences of their foolish choices. We have all at some point been affected by the consequences of someone else's foolish decision, even if we weren't doing it. And so we go through life like justifying hanging out with foolish people by saying things like, well, I'm going to go where they're going, but I'm not going to do that. Right? I'll go to the party, but, but I won't drink. I'll go to the club, but I won't look. I mean, whatever, you know. Right? We, try to, we try to justify these decisions that I'm going to go hang out with these people who are doing foolish things, but I won't do what they're doing. But the truth is, when you hang out with people who are doing foolish things, it will eventually affect you. And this is such a, like, we know this is true. And if you don't know it's true, I'll tell you who the fool is. It's obvious. And so what, what I want to do is, I, I, as I begin to go through this and read, King Solomon gives us so many, like, foolish traits that you shouldn't have in, in a best friend, in a core friend. And so I'm going to give you guys, there's a, there's a bunch of them. I'm going to give you eight of them. Here is eight foolish traits that you should not have in a friend. But while you're listening to this, I hope you feel a little conviction. And maybe what you realize is if I want to gain a friend who isn't foolish, maybe I should become a person who isn't foolish. Because I heard a lot of conviction in this list. So let's go to number one. Number one says this. People who are constantly surrounded by conflict or drama should not be in your core group of friends. You know, a person like everywhere they go, there's drama. Like if that's someone in your life or that is your life, change it. Okay, if, if everywhere you go, everyone is against you, something ain't right. All right, let's check, check the next one. Victims. And this isn't, this isn't Tommy's list. Don't get mad at Tommy. Victims. Is it always someone else's fault? You never do anything wrong, right? I, this is the truth. Every time I got arrested, I was framed. <laughs> right? I mean, and just so y'all know, I wasn't like getting arrested for crazy, but I remember one, I was, I was in Little Rock one night, and it was amazing that everyone in there was innocent. And I, I mean, every person. I was like, this is, this is just where they house innocent people. It's the strangest thing, right? But like, if, if it's always someone else's fault, that's a problem. What's the next one? Constant gossips. King Solomon, not me. You're like, ah, oh, I love that part of the friendship. <laughs> that's the fun part. We get together and talk about everybody because everybody's crazy but us, right? Right? And this is what we do. But King Solomon says if someone is a constant gossip or you are a con then you should work on that because that's not a positive trait for friendships. What's the next one? Mean. How simple is this? If someone is mean, they should not be in your core group of friends. Like mean people, you got you to not be mean. What's the next one? Racist people. There, there's a great commission in the Bible that says go and make disciples of all nations. If you hate all other nations, it makes that really challenging. Right? So if, if you're a racist or a bigot, this is something you need to work on. And if you have racists in your core groups, that's something you need to work on, guys. It is impossible to fulfill the great commission of love if you hate people. That's like baseline Christianity, right? That's fundamental. Next one. Thieves, drunks, and greedy. This is all just one because when you get drunk, you still stuff and you act greedy, right? I'm just doing that all at one, one thing there. I mean, I think what King Solomon would say is practice moderation. But then I was like, I don't know how you moderate thievery. I only, st 
I only steal on Tuesdays or, you know, I took the hubcap, not the whole tire. I don't but if, if you're stealing stuff or you're drunk or you're greedy, those things you need to work on, those do not make great friends. The next is reckless and careless. This is why no one should have been my friend in high school. I was both reckless and careless. Uh, I was reckless and careless with my life, reckless and careless with other people's lives. So again, it hurt me at the time that parents said, don't hang out with me, but those were good parents. Those were good parents who were making good decisions for their children. If you have a friend who's constantly in danger or endangering their lives, even if you're doing nothing wrong, eventually the companion of a fool will suffer harm. Final one. Won't listen to advice. Won't listen to advice. Like if you have a friend who, who will not listen to any advice, that is a dangerous friend. And some of you are that person, but you won't listen to me. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> The, the, these are what King Solomon says. You need to be careful. You need to be careful if these are the people in your core group. And, and it, guys, when I wrote this list, I've been guilty of almost every single thing on this list, okay? Almost every single. I'm not going to tell you all the one I'm not guilty of, but like everything on this list I have done. And so there should be something in me that says, okay, God, I see what you're wanting for my life. If those are the people I want, that must become who I become. You will attract who you are. You will attract people in. This is what people, young men or women will come to me and say, man, I really want a godly woman. I'm like, where are you looking for them? Well, the cowboy, where else? <laughs> I, I'm not saying you can't be godly and go to the cowboy. I'm just saying maybe that's not where you should start your search. That's all I'm saying. Maybe that's not where the search should begin. Maybe that's like plan E. I don't know. But like you will get what you are. You will attract what you put out into the world. And so if you want a friend who's a godly person, then you must become a godly person. If you don't want to suffer the consequences, don't live like a fool. I mean, that, 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 that's the short story of the Bible. So Proverbs 12, 26. It says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Oh, man, this is so good. The message seems to be that wisdom is contagious. That what we should want in our lives are people who's who are moving towards Christ. And, and the foolish person will have seen that list that we just saw and see something in themselves that need to change and keep going and never change a thing. The righteous person will see themselves in that list and go, there's some things i got to work on. That's the righteous response to those, is to see it and go, man, i got, I got to do some things different. And so Proverbs 17, let, let, let's see what a friend should be. This is what a friend, if that's what a friend shouldn't be, this is what a friend should be. Proverbs 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Gosh, that's a beautiful verse, isn't it? A friend is one who loves at all times. Okay, now let's talk about what love means. A friend is one who loves at all times. Here's what love is not. And this is what I thought love was when I was picking my friends in high school. Love is not agreeing with every dumb idea you have. Like, my group of friends in high school were literally, and I love these guys, but they, you were my friend because you would do stupid stuff with me. Like, one of my best friends, I'd be like, hey, dude, let's go, and he'd be like, I'm in. Like, I hadn't even told you where we're going. I'm in. Let's just ride, you know, whatever. <laughs> and that's the way I was. Let's, we in. I, I got a shotgun. You don't know where we're going. It doesn't matter. That, this is what I call dumb and dumber friendships. Matter of fact, I have a video to illustrate the point. Just throw that up there for me. You know, Lloyd...
these two guys are riding a moped together to Aspen, Colorado, <laughs> up the Rocky Mountains. At some point, Harry will end up freezing. Uh, his bowels will get... There's a whole bunch of stuff that will go wrong. Why? Because the companion of fools will suffer harm. What he should have said was, hey, bro, I love you, but I'm not riding that scooter with you <laughs> to Aspen, Colorado. And this is like the dumbest, this is the literally the dumbest idea I've ever heard. A friend must love you enough to challenge you when you're wrong. Someone who agrees with everything you say, man, put them in the close box or the casual box, but don't put them in the core box. I need people in my core box who will look at me and say, oh, Jones, no, no. Like, you've had some humdingers, but this is bad. Don't, no, don't do this. I need people who love me enough to be honest with me. And so do you. In your core group, your best friends should want what's best for you, even if what's best for you is not what you want. You hear that? Your best friends should want what's best for you, even if what's best for you is not what you want. Those are your core friends. Those are the people you need. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. There's a word in there that's twice, and, and I love it, and it's the word up. What do friends do? They help each other up. And when we think up in the church, think this, towards God. Think north. Think moving in a direction towards God. Friends are moving each other towards God. My core friends must be those people who are helping me move towards God. If there is someone who's constantly dragging you away from God, away from your God-given uh, destiny, your God-given journey, if someone is constantly dragging you away from that, that is someone you might want to put in a different box, but not your core friends. Your core friends must be moving in the direction you are moving. And I know what you're thinking. No, you don't understand, Tommy. I'm bringing them with me, or I can go and do what I can go, but I'm not going to do what they're doing, or I can hang out with them. That's not going to affect me. The wisest man to ever live would say, no, no, no. The companion of fools will suffer harm. The companion of fools. With your core friends, you must be moving in the same direction. I was on a, a canoe trip one time, and... Um, with my friends from high school, and, and this is a true story, and I, I hope they're watching because I love these guys so much, but I was in the canoe with Stuart. Stuart was a great canoeer. He was rowing. He was doing good. I was just chilling because I didn't have to do anything. Stuart was so good at it. Then I looked at my friends Greg and Jason, and they were in another canoe, and they were sitting back to back in the canoe. <laughs> this is a true story. This is a true story. Jason was paddling south, and Greg was paddling north. The canoe wasn't moving. And they were like, oh, I couldn't figure it out. I mean, I was like, why don't you think? I mean, if one of your friends is going this direction and you're going this direction, you're stagnant and not growing. That is, that is a, not a healthy core friendship. You must have friends who are moving in the same direction or your friendship is going nowhere. This stuff matters, guys. Stuff matters. I know we're having some fun with this, but this stuff matters so much. So many people would have been spared so much pain had they chosen not to be friends with me in high school. And they should have. 
And in a vent, we're like, oh, well, they'll be lonely. Or No, they could, have, they could have loved me casually. They could have loved me as a close friend. But as a core friend, I was toxic. It wasn't until Christ transformed me that I am becoming someone of worthy of having friends. But it took the transformation of Christ to see that. And again, don't you think the enemy would love to keep you comfortable in friendships that never challenge you? In friendships where you're never experiencing your full potential. In friendships, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, that's good, that's good. Everything's a good idea. Everything's not a good idea. <laughs> it's not always a good idea. And so imagine, now imagine this. Now imagine you're surrounded by people who all love God. And you're pushing each other in the right direction. And you're challenging each other. And you're growing together. And God is actually revealing himself to the world through the relationships you have created. That's what friendship was designed to be. And we, we have connect groups. I think we have connect groups sign up. Uh, I think it's next Sunday or Sunday, May 7th. We're signing up for connect groups here. And the reason we're doing this is because we value knowing. And listen, guys, when I, when I left my old life and came to be a pastor, there was a season of loneliness as I transitioned some friendships. And I had to mourn the loss of my old life. I had to mourn the loss of the old ways of, I mean, me and my friends had ways of dealing with pain, and we had ways, I had to mourn these things as I was transformed into something new. But next week, or May 7th, when you sign up for a connect group, I encourage you to do this. And what probably won't happen is your very first meeting, you'll sit down and go, man, I love these folks. We got everything in the world in common. may not happen. But what you may find over time for those people who are really working at this is the people who you think you have nothing in common with have the most in common with you because they share a need for Jesus and they share a desire for everything in their life to be used for the glory of God. And so what if you could create some friendships that mattered? Some friendships with a legacy that's more than a bunch of stories about how drunk we got? What, what if you had some stories about the world being changed through your friendships? What if you had some stories about helping someone through your friendships? What if you had stories about I fell and they caught me and they pushed me back up? What if your friendships could change legacies and change families? What if all of eternity could bend because your friendships were so centered around the glory of God? As I speak that, is there something in you that desires it? If so, create it. Create it. Don't wait for someone else to create the friendship that you need to create. Create it. Will you step out of your comfort zone? Try something new. Try friendships and a life centered around something greater than yourself. Even our friendships can leave a legacy. This is life in the kingdom. It's challenging, but it's worth it. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.